Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. For Lean's Cape Cod, birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Birds and Beans Shade Grown Bird Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And here's a special message from our friends at Ocean State Bird Club. They can't lead their free group walks right now, but they hope you're still getting your outdoor time in by watching birds. Find Ocean State Bird Club online at OceanStateBirdClub.org. Find them on Facebook, and you can tell them what you're seeing as the spring migration continues. Ocean State Bird Club. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 777. Great if you love uh, numeric palindromes. This is, of course, a time when lots of folks are keeping close to home and doing birding in the backyard. And here at Talking Birds, we kind of have our own backyard. We call it the Talking Birds Garden, and it's in the backyard of our home base radio station here in Massachusetts. The other day, we noticed that there were still some late-season dark-eyed juncos flitting about. And those who have long thought that junco was maybe not the classiest name for this beautiful little bird with, in our slate-colored subspecies, classy charcoal gray plumage and pink bill. We're surely happy to see a tweet from superstar birder Rick Wright who pointed out that the Japanese name for junko is Yuki Himidori, which turns out to be a much more elegant name than junko, especially since it translates into English as... Snow Princess Bird. So for those who'd like to make the switch, you may now address your local Junkos with this elegant translation of Yuki Himidori. Wait, I hear hatching sounds. Yes, it's time for a visit to the new Talking Birds book nest as we welcome back our resident reviewer, Susan Edwards Richmond. Susan is the author of the Parents' Choice Silver Award-winning picture book, Bird Count, which was also nominated by the Association for Library Service to Children as a 2020 notable children's book. Susan is also an award-winning poet and a teacher at Massachusetts Audubon's Drumlin Farm Community Preschool. And I'm not sure I gave Jesse her number by which to call uh, Susan, so if we can bring that number to Jesse... Uh, we will get this thing uh, going here. Where was I talking about Susan? She's an award-winning poet and a teacher at Massachusetts Audubon's Drumlin Farm Community Preschool. She's with us this morning with the second installment of a new segment in our show uh, that we call the Talking Birds Book Nest and what's hatching in the Talking Birds Book Nest. This morning, something completely different. It's a book called Oceanic Birds of the World, a photo guide. This is one comprehensive book by uh, my looking at it, but we'll see what Susan has to say about it. We have another guest uh, coming along in just a couple of minutes or a few minutes from now talking about something fascinating having to do with golden eagles and the tracking of same in a way that perhaps has never been done before. Uh, but right now, it's time to welcome Susan to our show, I believe. Good morning, Susan. Good morning, Ray. 
That was a little oh interesting God. adventure. You thought this was going to be easy, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, anyway, we finally got it together here. And so, Susan, tell us about this book, Oceanic Books, uh, Oceanic Birds of the World, a photo guide. What do you think about it? Yeah, so this is a fantastic book for these times because I imagine many of you are missing your pelagic cruises, or maybe someone had to cancel a trip to Antarctica. Mm. Um, if so, then this, this week's selection will be perfect for you. Um, and for anyone, Oceanic Birds of the World, a photo guide, will satisfy all of our cravings for a little armchair travel. First of all, it's a stunning book by mm. Steve N.G. Howe and Kurt Zufeld. And, well, I don't know about you, but puffins and penguins make me happy. <laughs> <laughs> and this book opens with gorgeous photos of more than six families of penguins, starting with the ruling penguins, which, yes, indeed, are the emperor and king penguins. Mm. We've got penguins marching, penguins swimming, penguins on the breeding fields. And my own secret pleasure was reminiscing about our family's 2015 vacation to New Zealand wow. by studying the faces of the New Zealand fjordland crested penguin. Mm. And... Uh, Ray, just don't even get me started on puffins. <laughs> <laughs> but let's not be speciesist. Um, there's something for everyone in this 350-page meticulously researched and lushly photographed guide. We've got the wide-ranging petrels, shearwaters, albatrosses, tropic birds, gannets, boobies, so much more. And there's all, all in all, there's 270 species, um, with all with multiple photos, captions, detailing key fixed features and comparisons between species. So say whether you're remembering a past trip or planning your future one, whatever your pelagic passion, oceanic <laughs> birds of the world will keep you soaring until your next ocean adventure. Ooh, I, I like that. That's that's why you're a poet, <laughs> Susan, as well as our reviewer here. So get this book and hang in there. <laughs> yeah, and just uh, just another way of showing showing how comprehensive it is. There are 37 pages just on albatross species. Yeah. Wow. That's exactly right. <laughs> well, you, that's you what's hatching. Have, Sorry. No, I was just going to say, see if you can brush up and be able to identify them next time in the field. <laughs> yeah. Good luck uh, to me on that one. Well, that's what's hatching this morning in the Talking Birds. Book Nest with Susan Edwards Richmond. Find out more about her. Lots of interesting info there, too. It's SusanEdwardsRichmond.com. Thanks, Susan. We'll hatch another book soon. Thanks so much. Take care, everyone. On to our mystery bird uh, preview here. We'll do the contest a little bit later on in the show. But this is a preview of our contest. We'll give some clues right now, and you'll be ready to uh, call in, we hope, when we do the contest in just a little bit. Our mystery bird is a small songbird that breeds over most of the east and southeast parts of the U.S. and as far west as parts of Texas and Oklahoma. has an olive green back and wings, a yellow throat and belly, and on the face, a black eye line and a black semicircle under the eye. It's known to wag its tail frequently. This bird winters in South Florida and the tropics. Our bird, despite a name that suggests it's found in grasslands and savannas, is usually found actually in scrubby fields and forests in the eastern, south-central U.S. mostly, feeding on insects, which it mostly gleans from tree branches. A little preview there of our mystery bird contest coming along just a little bit later on in uh, this morning's show. I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you.
Well, we're all trying to keep our distance these days from one another, but we hope you'll join our Ambassadors program nonetheless and let us send you some of our little info cards that you can hand out to friends and neighbors when it's time again to be out and about. You can sign up through the Get Involved button at TalkingBirds.com. And this morning, we're happy to be able to say thank you to Kara Dooley from Glen Burnie, Maryland. Kara is a new listener as well as a new ambassador. So thank you, Kara. Welcome to the show and to our ambassador's family. And thank you to Nick Hernandez from Boise, Idaho. Nick has sent us a listener story in addition to becoming a Talking Birds ambassador. Stay tuned for more about that, and thank you, Nick. So, Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll join our Ambassadors program. Let us send you some of those little cards you can hand out when the time is right. Be prepared by signing up through the Get Involved button at TalkingBirds.com. A couple of shows back, we mentioned that the folks at the Kentucky Ornithological Society had come up with some pretty cool online events while folks are staying at home and away from the coronavirus. One of those was something called April Madness, in which participated or participants voted for their favorite warbler. We just thought we'd report the result. The winner was the beautiful Blackburnian warbler. And speaking of Kentucky, on our show today, we'll talk with researcher Andrew Berry at the Bernheim Arboretum and Research Forest in Claremont, Kentucky, about his remarkable work doing something that may not have ever been done before, tracking a breeding pair of golden eagles. Plus, we'll catch up with Mike O'Connor in an almost live segment from the archive. Let's ask Mike about a cool way to hear birdsong if your high-frequency hearing range isn't what it used to be. And up next, a sleek seabird that owes its species name to a Trojan war hero is today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend. Presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. People of Troy, I bring you good news. The war hero Diomedes has returned home safely. Now the bad news. His former companions have been lost at sea, and as a result, they have been turned into birds. So goes a snippet of the Greek myth of the Trojan war hero, Diomedes. Oddly, though, while it was his companions who were turned into birds, it was he who lent his name to the bird that is today's featured feathered friend, Calonectris diomedea, commonly known as the Cory's Shearwater. It's a seabird that's seen regularly off the U.S. Atlantic coast, both over the continental shelf and far out to sea. With a wingspan of up to four feet, the Cory Shearwater is brownish-gray above, with white underparts and a yellowish bill. Our bird's genus name, Calonectris, translates to beautiful swimmer. Although the Cory's Shearwater is better known for the gracefulness of its flight, moving in long glides, with its wings bowed and angled slightly back. It feeds on small fish and squid near the ocean's surface and sometimes dives as deep as 50 feet for other prey, including crustaceans. It follows fishing boats where it engages in noisy squabbles with other species. When not squabbling, it is mostly silent at sea, but at night on its breeding colonies, it can make enough noise to wake Diomedes. 
Today's Talkin' Birds featured feathered friend, Calonectris diomedea, the Cory's Shearwater. Welcome again to our show, number 777. Find out more about our show at TalkinBirds.com. Andrew Berry is Director of Conservation at the Bernheim Arboretum and Research Forest in Claremont, Kentucky, and he has done something with his team that maybe no one else has ever done. That is tracking a breeding pair of golden eagles, in this case from their wintering grounds in Kentucky, to their nesting site in northern Manitoba, Canada, and back again. And he's here with us this morning to tell us a bit about it. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning, Ray. It's great to be here. Great to have you with us in our chat this morning. Andrew, is well-timed uh, since it turns out I think you have some exciting news to share with respect to where this pair of eagles is right now. Yeah, so the, the pair of golden eagles that spends their winter down in Bernheim, we're in uh, Louisville area of Kentucky, about 25 miles south in the Knobs, um, and we're a large forest block, and so we've had golden eagles hanging out um, at Bernheim for, for decades that people have known about, and um, to be able to track these two individuals, which turned out to actually be a breeding pair, has really been incredible. Um, and so they, they spend the winter at Bernheim, and they departed around mid-March, um, and made their way back north into Canada, and it looks like they've reunited back at their nest, uh, which is up in northern Manitoba, uh, just uh, in earlier here in April, um, on April 12th, actually, and, uh, and now they're uh, preparing a nest, it looks like, and probably um, have laid or, or the female is, is about ready to lay eggs. And they nested in the same location last year and fledged at least one chick, is that right? Um, that's what we believe. So the male, we've been tracking him longer uh, since 2015, and we've been tracking the female since um, the early 2019. And so we've gotten uh, just two years of them together where we've been able to track them. Uh, but he's been going to this same nest site since 2015, and, and we thought he was probably breeding. Uh, well, when we got the female, um, uh, the tracker on her, we found out that they were going to the same spot, the same nest, and uh, they've actually got two areas, it looks like, uh, that they maintain and, and work on throughout the, the summer months. Um, last year, they used um, uh, another lake a few miles away, and now it seems like this year they've centered back on the, uh, the old nest site that they used two years ago. Hmm. Um, and, uh, and we're able to, to figure that out. You know, a lot of times these golden eagles that are tracked, there are a number of them at the eastern United States that are being tracked by, uh, by our, our research partners. Um, and, um, you know, it's not too often that when they're in Canada they actually check in because they're using cellular towers uh, with these, you know, solar-powered um, cellular tracking devices. Um, and when they get near and they essentially get cell phone service, they can download that data um, in the afternoon. And so the male has actually been making trips um, up near a cell tower to do some hunting. And so he's been checking in regularly, and it's a little different than in pre years previous. Uh, but when they're at the nest, they don't get cell phone service, so they don't check in. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they travel separately from Kentucky to that site there in northern Manitoba, the western edge of Hudson Bay, and they took very different routes to get That's there. Right. Right? That's right. That's right, yeah. Uh, so... You know, there were so many unanswered questions, and, and one of the most interesting things we found was that this, this breeding pair spends the summer together uh, nesting. They spend the winter together um, down in Bernheim Forest, 
and then they take separate migrate migration routes going back uh, and forth to Canada, and they use those both in the spring and the fall. The male harper um, goes up off of Duluth, uh, Minnesota, on the western tip of Lake Superior, and the female Athena heads up through Michigan, and she crosses at the Straits of Mackinac um, there and goes into Canada, and then they kind of come back together. You can see this if you want to go to the Bernheim website. We have some maps and pictures posted and more about the story. Uh, but then they come back together right there to that nest site and reunite um, um, where they where they departed last year. Uh, so it's, it's really an incredible thing, and I, I don't think anybody expected that. And they've done that now um, through, oh, it, this would be the third migration that we've seen that they're pretty much sticking to those routes. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. it correct that you think uh, the young bird hatched last year, or birds may be back in Kentucky? Um, so we think that they were successful at nesting last year, and looking at the two together, the male and the female, you can see how they partition their time, and you can see that the male um, harper is flying around and hunting a lot, and the female Athena stays on that nest um, and only leaves just for an hour or so every few days. And this is between April 22nd of 2019 um, all the way up until July. So that's when she would be incubating the eggs and then brooding a fledgling. Um, And, you know, basically the data tells that story about how they're cooperating and he's bringing food back. He even relieves her on the nest at times. Mm. And looking at the timing through the year, it kind of coincides with the development of what a chick would be to the time when when they fledge and actually leave. And it tells a really nice story. So while we don't know and we've never seen a, an, a juvenile uh, or offspring, we can assume that from the data. The next big question is, would they be teaching that juvenile to, to migrate back down to Bernheim with them? Um, and we've seen those, the two eagles at Bernheim in the winter uh, interacting with other eagles, but also interacting with some juvenile golden eagles. It makes you wonder if, if they might be offspring or know each other in some, some way. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you've learned so much here, but still questions about how, you know, how, they, how these birds paired up. Did it happen in Canada or Kentucky? And as you say, if it happened in Kentucky at Bernheim, how did they migrate separately to the same spot way up in northern Manitoba? Yeah, yeah, it really, they have really strong site fidelity. And so we see that these eagles have been using the same locations, even the same tree, you know, year after year, um, and using uh, stopovers along their migration, using some of the same areas. Um, and so, you know, they, they definitely know where they're going, and they're very direct with their, with their travels. Um, but, yeah, I mean, did they meet up in Canada or did they meet down in Bernheim? It's, a, it's really a fascinating thing to think about. Mm-hmm. And um, the more years of data that we can get from this breeding pair, the, the more we keep learning. And so it's, it's really fantastic, but the story is still developing. Mm-hmm. Andrew Berry is the Bernheim Arboretum and Research Forest Director of Conservation. You can see all the good work they're doing with those eagles and a lot more, even as some things have been put on hold necessarily in the current pandemic affected environment. It's Bernheim.org, B-E-R-N-H-E-I-M, Bernheim.org. Certainly worth a visit to find out uh, more beyond this short conversation here. Congratulations on your amazing work, Andrew, and thanks for being with us. Thank you so much, Ray. It's great being here. Coming up next, our mystery bird contest in just one minute. More than 100 million wild animals are killed each year, illegally. 
Poaching is just one of the risks animals face at our hands. I'm Tom Barry. I'm an actor. I grew up in the beautiful rural countryside of Ohio, where animals roamed freely in the open forests. I have a deep concern to help preserve those open spaces for our wildlife friends so they can live and thrive like they used to. Destruction of their habitats threaten their very existence. The best way to protect wildlife is to protect the land where they live. The Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust works with private landowners to protect wildlife, to preserve natural habitats, and establish permanent sanctuaries. To learn more or to work with the Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust, call 800-729-SAVE. That's 800-729-SAVE. Or visit wildlifelandtrust.org. Thank you. Our Mystery Bird Contest is presented by Bird Watchers Digest. Birdwatchers Digest is much more than a magazine. Explore their publications, events, online birding store, and birding tours at birdwatchersdigest.com. That's the sound of our mystery bird. Clues in a moment. Prizes first. The beautiful Droll Yankees Observer Window Feeder. Everybody loves this feeder. It lets you see the birds up close with an unobstructed view. Three strong suction cups attach the feeder right to your window. It holds two cups of seed or fruit or suet or mealworms. Bonus prize, the app that makes learning bird sounds a game. It's the very popular and award-winning LarkWire app. You can use it on your iOS device or you can access it online. Prizes on our mystery bird contest. We urge you to call as soon as you can. We'll give you the number in a moment. Our mystery bird is a small songbird that breeds over most of the east and southeast areas of the U.S. and as far west as parts of Texas and Oklahoma. It has an olive green back and wings, a yellow throat and belly, and on the face, a black eye line and black semicircle under the eye. That's kind of a big clue there. It's known to wag its tail frequently. Our bird, despite a name that suggests it's found in grasslands and savannas, is usually actually seen in scrubby fields and forests, and it feeds mostly on insects, which it gleans from tree branches. Here's that phone number. We urge you to call as soon as you can. 781-837-4900. 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, let's ask Mike almost live from the archive in just one minute. Here at Talkin' Birds, we're for the birds. And we want to say thanks to another Talkin' Birds ambassador who's helping to spread the word about our show and about birds and conservation. My name is Barbara Carroll. I'm calling from Hanover, Massachusetts. I decided to become a Talkin' Birds ambassador because I wanted to become a proud member of the ambassador team as well as wanting to be a representative for the show from which I have learned so much. What I like about being a Talkin' Birds ambassador is that I enjoy sparking folks' interest when I describe the show. Remember, there is no G in Talkin'. Talkin' Birds listeners, we hope you'll join our ambassador's family. It's easy to do. Just visit our website, TalkinBirds.com. Click on Get Involved at the top of the homepage and then choose the Become an Ambassador option at TalkinBirds.com. Join today and thanks. If we're talking a little louder than usual, we just want to make sure that Mike can hear us down there at the Bird Watchers General Store on Cape Cod. Hello? Anybody there? <laughs> is there anybody there? Eh? The reason we're saying this is because you have some new product that you have purchased for yourself. 
This is yep. not in your store. This is just a thing you bought to help you, what, hear, hear the birds? Hear the birds a little bit better. Cor correct. It's not something I sell, so I'm kind of plugging for no reason. But this is, I thought, I read this in a, in, in a birding magazine. Somebody else had, had discovered one of these, and I read it. I said, i got to try this. And basically, it's a device put out by Bose. They call them hearphones. Hearphones. You know, when you look it up online, you, you're going to get auto-corrected right to headphones. But it's called hearphones. <laughs> and uh, it, 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 it's basically Bose company puts it out to help people hear conversations better. But this person used it for going for bird walks. Mm. And, and I decided I should try that because I go for bird walks now, and everybody's going, Mike, what's that bird? I, I don't hear it thing. You know, the dawn chorus to me are uh, crows and morning doves because I can't hear the high pitches any longer. And so it's a little frustrating, and I'm not at the stage where I need a hearing aid for general conversation, but I, but I do miss the birds. So I decided to try out one of these. Now, they're not cheap. They're like 500 bucks, mm. but I only I spent 499 because I know a guy. Ah, uh, nice yeah, deal. see, that was a kind of a sweet deal. <laughs> and it's, it's, it, you, you pop them in your, in your ears like you would expect. And it's got a little band that goes around your neck. And, you know, instead of, uh, instead of using hearing aids, so I don't look like an old geezer with hearing aids, I look like an old geezer with headphones. Yeah, cool they look old like geezer. Just, uh, yeah, they just look like hip headphones, and they connect to your smartphone. So it's so Bluetooth. Mm. And wow. you can control the volume, you control the bass or the trouble. In my case, I crank up the trouble so I can hear the, the, the birds. And now it's just like the birds are back. Wow. I go for a walk every morning and I can hear the prairie warblers and I can hear the pine warblers and the chipping sparrows. For years, I couldn't figure out which is which. Um, but it wasn't a problem lately because I couldn't hear either one. But now they're back again, so I can hear them. And it's, 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 it's kind of fun. And you can make an adjustments for, so you can hear from all directions. Or if you're just facing one direction, you can adjust them so they only go where you're looking. It's a pretty directional. And I, I thought they were, they were awesome. I would, I would, uh, people who have this kind of hearing loss should consider that. And I don't make any money, which is kind of sad. But other than that, <laughs> it's a good thing to help you hear. Pretty cool. Next week, I'll talk to you about my invention. to call it the ear trumpet. It's, uh, yeah. No, oh, that was the place. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You yeah. No batteries, no recharging or anything. It's yeah. Awesome. Old school. Talk to you next week, Mike. Okay. For over a quarter century, Birdwatching Magazine has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Regular contributors include expert birders and authors such as Ken Kaufman, David Sibley, Pete Dunn, Laura Erickson, and others. Learn more at birdwatchingdaily.com. Back to the mystery bird contest. Here's our bird. We're excited that we have callers uh, on the line from somewhere in Florida, somewhere in California, and Ontario, Canada. And I think uh, Pat from somewhere in California was uh, first uh, to call in. So let's say hello to Pat. Good morning, Pat. Good morning, Ray. Whereabouts in uh, in the great state, the great Actually, golden state? It's, it's, it's Ontario, California. Oh, oh, my goodness. So we have uh, Ontario, <laughs> U.S. and Ontario, Canada. I believe right. that's a first. <laughs> okay. All right, Ontario, California, the famous raceway, right? Yeah, well, there used to be they go there. The raceway's in Fontana now. Okay. Anyway, we're talking about birds and not uh, racing cars. So, uh, what mm -hmm. do you think on our mystery bird contest? Well, I'm hoping it's a prairie warbler. You're hoping it is a prairie warbler, and your hopes have been fulfilled. Yes. Thank you. I guess Thank Mike you. gave a little secret clue there. He mentioned Prairie Warbler during his segment there. A little very subtle clue. Oh, and quite coincidental, well, I... just like the Ontario thing. 
right. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. I don't okay. know if we... Go ahead. I'll just hold on. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do hold yeah. on, and we'll make sure we get those uh, prizes to you. Oh, thank you. All right. Appreciate it. <laughs> thank okay. you, Pat. Okay. Pat, there huh? in Ontario, California. Thanks to Doris in Ontario, Canada, and uh, Nancy, somewhere in Florida, uh, for checking in with us, too, on our mystery bird contest. Again, the prairie warbler. This is kind of interesting. The prairie warbler, the male sings two song types which closely resemble each other but differ slightly. Group A, directed at the female for courtship and maintenance of the pair bond, and Group B, sung at territory boundaries to deter other males. A lot going on in the bird world. We're happy to talk about it, but we are out of time for this morning's show. Thanks to our amazing Talking Birds team. Senior producer Debbie Bleacher, outreach coordinator Freya McGregor, special assistant Audrey Stack, and our producing engineer Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. Remember to keep that six-foot turkey vulture wingspan distance between you and other folks, and see you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Birds and Beans Shade Grown Bird Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And here's a special message from our friends at Ocean State Bird Club. They can't lead their free group walks right now, but they hope you're still getting your outdoor time in by watching birds. Find Ocean State Bird Club online at OceanStateBirdClub.org. Find them on Facebook, and you can tell them what you're seeing as the spring migration continues. Ocean State Bird Club.